0: Owie, owie, owie. Come oh, on. Hey, I get see it. Ow, oh, yo, Marlon. I'd like to show you that I want money.
1: Bruh. Say
0: Hello. Hi, everybody. I'm Michelle. And I'm Jodie. And welcome to your podcast. This is the bi-weekly podcast that means every two weeks. Where we unpack and tease out many of the issues in South Africa that we don't understand or simply just don't talk about. So, not necessarily news. <laughs> At all, actually. <gasps> is this episode 9?
1: I was literally about to ask what episode is this.
0: Every single episode we ask each other.
1: And we have less than 10, like what is going on? It should not be this hard.
0: i keep track. T- and every single episode we say to each other... I'm so proud of us. Can you believe it?
1: <laughs> I think it is episode nine. We can't um, even count
0: Let me just check. Until nine. Okay. No, this is episode nine. The <laughs> last one was episode eight. I can't believe it.
1: Wow, what a wow.
0: For the tenth episode for the tenth episode should we do something special like read
1: Harry Potter, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: like we should like read like some thoughts that people have sent us (gasps) send us your um favorite episode so far like send us a voice note with maybe send us a voice note with the thing that you learned from the podcast that you like blew your mind the most
1: Mm, good idea yeah
0: and but send us like a voice note and then we'll like put it in
1: on instagram in our dms you can send voice notes
0: you can Instagram us, you can slide into our DMs, and you can also email us at
1: yourpodcast21 at gmail.com.
0: And you can follow us on Instagram at yourpodcast. And you can follow us on Twitter <laughs> at yourpodcast. Your is spelled Y-O-H, you guys. Um, <clears throat> and also we're on Facebook. Same name. Same name. It's the same name. But I do have a special request for the people who follow the show. I would like everyone, if you like the show and you think it's good, can you please, like whatever app you're using to listen, can you rate the podcast and leave a review? Um It is actually possible to do on Spotify.
1: I didn't know that
0: Yeah. until like the other day. It's a thing So please review the pod um, On Apple Podcasts That would also help us a lot To let more people find the show Please Okay thank you <laughs> Bye, Bye. <laughs> Okay moving on to the next segment Of the podcast That we call Things that actually happened
1: Oh yeah
0: Um. This the this the last two weeks were actually quite hectic
1: in South Africa, our land. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um. So one thing happened two weeks ago, and I don't know if we spoke about this on the podcast. If you talk about how the government wants to increase the license fees and the road pricing fees no. to cut down on car use. This actually went. This spurned a big conversation on Twitter, where the people were like, "Okay, but
1: we no. First of all, no, we didn't talk about it. Secondly, I don't even see this.
0: I saw this all over. People were like, they were like, the government considers using like they're gonna hire the raise the fees of using the roads. That is so unbelievably." And then the quote tweets were like, um, why don't you just make the trains more accessible?
1: Why don't you fix public transport first? And <laughs> then? Like, this seems completely backwards. <laughs> you go in the wrong way around.
0: It, just like our good friend Victor said in the last episode, every time you think you know what this government is doing, <laughs> they go the other way. And that's what we're sitting with, folks. That
1: literally doesn't make any sense.
0: It, I, I do think that it would make a lot of sense if they were to instead spend their energy on ramping up infrastructure. Like, didn't I just see a headline about Prasa literally this week? I saw it in the news and I was like, immediately, I don't even want to know. Prasa still calculating the amount paid to three thousand ghost workers. Guys, after all this time, you like you still don't even know how much you paid them. <sighs> <laughs> it's not that hard. Anyway, I really feel like it's not that hard. So I think the biggest story of this week is probably the deal with Cyril Ramaphosa. Now. I just want to say that sometimes things happen where a news story breaks and everyone is like what and it appears one way but actually the opposite is happening (laughs) so i just want you all to just remember that as we digest certain stories Let's think about the landscape that we are working with. Yeah. So the ANC is having their conference, which unfortunately informs the future of literally the the entire country and not just that one stupid party. Um, So because the election is coming up, things are coming out of the woodwork. Like, I don't know if you noticed, but there's like literal assassins walking around. Killing people.
1: When is the election next year? The general election? Presidential term started in 2018. Okay. 2019,
0: 20... Yeah, it's next year. So, okay, so guys, so we have like a big election next year, and from the local elections, we know that the ANC's reach has shrunk significantly. There was another election that just happened in Joburg, and then like the, the portion of votes was like not very big for the ANC. So they're in big prop in big trouble. And people are trying to get posa out because of like the various factions inside the ANC. So with that in mind, let's just keep, just like keep that on the back burner when you listen to stories like this. I also want to remind you of the time that the state capture people literally walked around and said that there was a rogue agency inside SARS when in fact they were the rogue agency. They literally planted a story about there being a rogue agency to cover up the fact that they were the rogue agency.
1: Yeah. Remember how I said these people will lie to us? Like, basically gaslight us.
0: So Because they
1: think we're just going to be like, oh, okay. Oh, okay.
0: (laughs) So, just remember that when you consume these stories. Absolutely. But, I have to say, the story from beginning to end... Leaves me confused. The second thing I want everyone to notice about President Ramaphosa is that he is not a poor man. He's that not... man is rolling. Yeah, he and he's
1: incredibly wealthy. He's a
0: businessman who yeah. became a president. Like yeah. it's like a Meghan Markle vibe. Like yeah. yes. I
1: literally googled in the week how many properties does he have, and it's like twenty plus.
0: Uncle Cyril. He's
1: proper, proper, do you proper not have rich.
0: have a grandchild who's fifty years old, single?
1: <laughs> proper, proper rich dude.
0: <laughs> so, um, some people have been asking me like, "What's the story?" So I decided to like just quickly say what's happening. There's a really good article in Al Jazeera. With like bullet points.
1: They also the one, eh?
0: They are the one. Several ones, and mm. they are one of them. Yeah. So, okay, this is crazy, but apparently... Okay, so there's this guy. His name is Frazier. Mm. And he used to be the head of the South African State Security Agency, which is the spy agency, MI6 vibes. He sort of walked into a police station in Joburg, and he filed a criminal complaint against... The president
1: Imagine Do you know how fearless you have to be to do Like you Imagine
0: I wish I could do that I'd like to file a complaint against the entire country Because Anyway So he filed a complaint And accused Ramaphosa of kidnapping Bribery Money laundering And concealing a crime And this is all in relation to a theft of 4 million US dollars from his farm. And the farm is like in the outskirts of Limpopo. And it's called Pala. Okay, so this guy walked in here. Eh? But he had photographs, documents, and CCTV footage of the theft. Mm-hmm. So his, his main claim is that the president covered up the fact that this theft happened. Yeah. So... The thief like the thievery in question is the housekeeper apparently mm. discovered this stash of money and it was apparently hidden in different pieces of furniture. So she's like horse. So she messages her brother and he apparently knows a gang that could carry out the robbery. So they rock up on the ninth of February in twenty twenty. So this is like right on the margin of lockdown. So he rocks up, they find all the money and this gang initially included four Namibian citizens and two South African citizens. Okay, so they okay, this is also crazy, but they gained entry into the premises by cutting the wire perimeter and just coming in through a window. Sir, Mr. President how is your farm that easily accessible that you can just walk in? Yeah. Nobody should be able to walk into anyone's farm.
1: Yeah.
0: How? You are like the literal president. I don't understand. Okay, so he said the president was like, um, I wasn't at the farm. I was actually out of the country at the time. And then it turns out that he apparently did report this to the Presidential Protection Police Unit. Who are doing a really cuck job because it's so easy to get access to this farm. And also, why is there 4 million US dollars in cash hidden in pieces of furniture? It smells like a Pablo Escobar thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that is Like Why didn't you just put it into one of your 50 accounts?
0: But I also don't know how rich people work. I just don't know. Yeah. That's true we I can't calculate. yeah, I can't pretend to understand how rich people handle their money and whether or <laughs> not they do in fact have large like swaths of it. And also like, what if he's one of those crazy people about money who believes that they need to always have an emergency stash
1: probably like
0: like grannies and grandpas do that, some people who aren't old also hide their money um, I can't. I'm not trying to make excuses for him but I yeah. also can't pretend that I know what it's like to have that much money. Yeah. So, they break in, take the money, it's all captured on CCTV footage, he said he did report it and so then um, a team of retired police officers now come and investigate and then Frazier says that the housekeeper and this gang were later paid ten thousand dollars
1: for their silence yeah he paid them so basically he covered it up is the way i understood it
0: okay i don't know why this is news
1: thank you oh my god i was we were having this exact same conversation at work and we were like and i was saying this feels like a distraction. That this is the news.
0: From start to finish, someone broke into your house, stole your money. You paid them to not say anything about the fact that they had stolen money from you. But, like, there could be a thousand reasons why you wouldn't want exactly. that getting out. And it's like... Also because it was very easy to rob you, sir.
1: And the other thing is, let's say, okay, he got robbed. And you chose not to report it to the police. Do you know who else chooses not to report things to the police? 90% of South Africans.
0: Yeah. Unless you have insurance. Yeah. Why would you report that?
1: Most people like, are, don't report things to the police. For various reasons. So I don't understand what the problem is. And if they is.
0: found the people who stole the money. And paid them for their silence. We can only assume that he probably got his money back.
1: Who knows? I just don't, that's why I'm like this was like a personal attack when Fraser went to the police and told them this is what happened. Like he's trying to get at, at all.
0: But it's also like I really don't think this is like anything worth saying. Like, like I know someone who got robbed and didn't go to the police. Mm, okay. Exactly. So
1: like, what is the actual problem here? If it was blood money, that's a different thing, but that's what I'm saying. it's a personal attack because Frazier and Zuma are buddies, yeah dude.
0: are they yeah <gasps> wow okay
1: so I, I let me say i I think that they are buddies.
0: I will say that <sighs> okay. It does make him look dodgy. It makes Ramaphosa look dodgy because he is now someone with secrets. But he's always been secretive. Like yeah. We also know that he was involved with letting Jacob Zuma out of jail.
1: Yeah. And it's just like, this doesn't seem to be... Out of the list of things we should be concerned about. I don't think this is one of them. This is very low in the list of priorities.
0: So other things that are coming up against cyril is when he was making his budget speech um the eff went and caused cuck and like honestly i'm i'm far less pro eff nowadays than i used to be because mm. i just don't see it for them disrupting parliament every five seconds like how is anyone supposed to get things done yeah the last story that I have, um, is not really oh, I wanna talk about the national shutdown, but that didn't happen because they went to like the taxi association, the bus people and they were all like, No, we don't have a list for a shutdown. <laughs> it
1: didn't have like widespread support.
0: But I also think like it's ANC conference coming up. These bodies are invested in other in other parties. And if the ANC doesn't want a national shutdown ahead of their conference, then they will not have one. So I just think that's something to think about. Um, So one thing I've been thinking about is I've seen lots of like shootings, South African shootings on the news recently. Like remember that guy who like shot people in the hospital and then turned out that he was a criminal and he was trying to escape justice and then the nurse spoke, talked him down. Yeah. And then, like, we've just been getting a lot of news alerts about people being shot. And I just feel like I'm confused about why <laughs> this is popping up in the, our news feed so much Re- recently.
1: Okay God, I feel like you want to say more
0: Say it I, I'm just feeling like And I think that like We do this a lot Like we identify an American issue And then we like I wonder if this is a thing in South Africa And then we look at it and we're like Oh it is a thing But it's not the same thing Yeah Like I think gun violence in South Africa And gun violence in America Is not the same issue And so us putting a lot of energy into like, and I mean, this is like a live, a live story. Like it's on News 24. It's like breaking news. Teen 17 shot dead in Cape Town. Okay. And then you read the story and it's like gang violence. Like, yes, that is important that we talk about it but the way that it's been framed is like it's very sensational mm-hmm. and yeah like gang violence and gun ownership is such an old story like it's so so old
1: yeah
0: i just think i'm, I'm curious about the way that like this is being framed is all i'm saying Okay.
1: Okay. I hear you. I need to figure out my thoughts, but I hear you. But I just I do want to say that in like the last few 2-3 months, there has been a number of like mass shootings in South Africa, which is relatively uncommon. So I think
0: But, but do you think I mean, it's a new phenomenon?
1: No, it's a phenomenon.
0: Or do you think it's something that's gaining attention because it's been happening overseas?
1: I don't know if there's I don't know if that's a connection. I don't know if people are reporting because there was like a mass shooting in Kairicha where six people were killed. Like that is something that I think should really be on the
0: news. Hmm, I saw that.
1: And I don't know. Maybe it, maybe mass shootings and gun violence is more is more in our minds because of America.
0: But it's irritating that things only come to the fore if it's an issue overseas, when in fact this has been an issue for a long time. Like,
1: yeah, but I'm saying that I don't necessarily think that is a strong connection, like a major connection.
0: What do you mean America and South Africa?
1: Yeah, I don't think... I think that mass shootings in South Africa will be on the news even if it wasn't happening in america
0: no but this is not mass shootings this is any shooting this is one person shot dead now it's a live story Hmm. or like this guy who was shot in tashes that's a whole story like Hmm. anytime anyone is getting shot it's a story yeah like that paints a different picture but like what if you what if you were to do the same thing like Anytime a train is delayed By more than an hour What if you made that your agenda Then that would dominate The news cycle Yeah. Like why are you you picking This particular thing
1: Probably because it gets lots of clicks
0: (laughs) I'm just annoyed I'm very irritated Oh this also happened And now we really need to be done With the segment But the Guptas were arrested In Dubai
1: That was the other thing
0: But whether or not they will actually face justice is a different issue. So I was listening to a Sunday Times podcast and it's like maybe once, it's once a week and it's only like 20 or 30 minutes long. And they were talking about whether or not the Guptas are actually going to face justice and they were saying that they are being held in Dubai, but they obviously have their own lawyers. Who have various like tools at their disposal. And if for some reason they are able to get out of that bind. And they go to India. It's going to be much much harder for us to extradite them there. Than it is for to extradite them from Dubai. Mm. So this arrest might not mean much.
1: Mm. Um, But I do think that. Because they have been like evading arrest for years. Yeah. So I do think that like good for them for being arrested Do you know what i mean
0: yeah
1: like they were on like interpol dude for like most wanted people
0: really yes
1: that's why they were arrested in dubai because that was in in interpol otherwise they wouldn't have ever been arrested
0: so where were they before what do you mean before dubai i don't know do you think they were like but they were
1: like evading the cops for years wow yeah That's why they were able to get arrested in another country and not in South Africa.
0: It must be so junk to be evading arrest. If I were evading arrest, I wouldn't know what to do with myself. I would
1: live in a cave. I would never set foot outside. They would be so
0: junk. Like who's Netflix like how do you access like anything? If you are meant to be in jail.
1: Wild, dude anyway, Wild, wild thoughts
0: So, these are the things that actually happened Let's take a break We're back
1: Okay, so Let's get into it
0: I'm so excited to hear about this This
1: is a topic that basically Consumes my life <laughs> So, this is divided into three parts Part one is What is femicide? Michelle, you jump in the gun <laughs> is just go ah. jump the gun <laughs> number two what does femicide look like in South Africa and then part three is femicide in the media or well, how media reports on femicide um, so this is obviously like quite a heavy topic because it's about people killing sorry about men killing women because who do you think murders okay yes so trigger warning (laughs) it's about murder and like gbv and stuff so yeah yeah number second disclaimer is this is my life's work (laughs) so to begin the story again i feel like every time i do an episode i remind i have to say Let's remember the context of South Africa and, I like, can list all the points.
0: Every time you mention the context of South Africa, I become so sad because it's just like, yes, sis.
1: So oh. let's refresh our, all of our memories to consider, like, to remind ourselves that our middle class lives is not what South Africa is. Guys, please remember this most unequal country on earth Mm -hmm. highest unemployment rate poor economy half of south africans live in poverty like we've been through this this is not news guys and then our high levels of crime and violence just like generally not even talking about fem, just in general and then like racism sexism all the other isms and one thing that we forget about South Africa is that it's this con- we are con- a conservative country. Like, we are like pockets of woke people, but that's not what 60 billion of South Africans are it's like. It's so
0: true, and it's so frustrating when you have a conversation with someone and you realize how many conservative people they are. Like, like,
1: the majority of South Africans are conservative, and what comes with that? Patriot Like, patriarchy. So, the African society is patriarchal and conservative, like full stop. It's just us pockets of exceptions.
0: Ugh. So
1: uncool. So, just like remember that. Like, we are not a progressive country at all. Wow. And Twitter will make you think otherwise.
0: Yes, Twitter will really like, make you think that, like, we are is what so lit.
1: This annoys me so much about Twitter. Like, we are a population of 60 million, and how many people do you think are actually on Twitter of that? I don't
0: know.
1: Exactly. Tiny. Probably not even 10%. So it's not a reflection of South Africa.
0: If you are vibrating on a higher frequency... (laughs) If your third eye is open...
1: (laughs) We are minority, guys, and let's stick together. Okay. That's what I wanted to say. So South Africa... Sorry, let me find my place. So these are all factors that contribute to violence and crime, just generally. And maybe I should do a episode just on like violence in general. Anyway. So South Africa is a country de- defined by structural inequalities.
0: This goes all the way back to the dawn of apartheid and even before then. It
1: goes back to 1652. It
0: does. It does. It truly, truly does.
1: No, like one hundred percent does. And literally, as soon as this they landed, is going to upset you so much.
0: As soon <laughs> as Van Riebeck landed, he was like, "Here's the line in the sand. You there? I'm here." And then, and then, and then that's that was like it. Like one Tuesday morning when the ship pulled out. <laughs> like literally since that day. Like so random, and he was like, "I'm yeah. here to fuck everything up." And it's like,
1: he was here Do you know why he was here? To set up a refreshment station Yes, For the people coming from Europe Stop in Cape Town for a bit before they go to India No, but
0: it's lies
1: Because you can't
0: just set up a refreshment station Because there were people here You can't just set up a a lemonade stand (laughs) On an (laughs) island You can't just expect to get Like an orange slice here On the coast of of Cape Town And then go to India and then get another orange slice there (laughs)
1: Yo, that's so funny. It's not funny, but it's like a oh, whole refreshment station resulted in this.
0: Girl, look at America, what they did to America. They <laughs> were like, we're gonna kill everyone here because we need refreshments. Because we don't wanna get scurvy. Fucking Dutch,
1: Dutch East India Company, bro. Part 1 What is femicide? So femicide is a term that we've heard we start that we've been hearing a lot more in recent years, but it's a really complicated term, and there's no universally accepted definition like amongst others and stuff what just hold on <laughs> but there is like we there is like a consensus, but there isn't a definition that's applied across the globe a globe right so Femicide in its simplest term refers to the killing of women. Women. But it is much more complicated than that. And believe it or not, this term was coined by a scholar. Her name was Diana Russell, and she's actually South African. And she did it because the term homicide mm. refers to the killing of like a person. But it's actually homicide is a gender neutral term. Because so in homo, her,
0: homo sapiens. Yeah.
1: So human
0: beings. And side killing.
1: Yeah. But in her study she realized that when women are killed, they are like it's different to when men are killed. So she needed a term to like categorize that.
0: There we go. As Shout out as you, to the feminist
1: movement also.
0: As soon as you introduce ovaries, it's like now the game has completely changed. Yeah.
1: Also, this episode takes a major feminist um approach. If you have a problem with that, you shouldn't even be on the If podcast. you're not a
0: feminist and why are you listening why to this? Why are you podcast? listening
1: to this? It's
0: literally two girls. <laughs> or two people who identify as women.
1: Okay, so she was like, yo, we need a different term to talk about the killing of women. So she came up with femicide. And since then, like, the term has evolved the way that terms do, and now it has come to refer to a much... It's a, it indicates... Sorry, that sentence was completely wrong. The term has evolved to refer to the killing of women, but other scholars think that that is also too simplistic. So, you know, but this is not what academics do. They just debate definitions all the time it's not that deep (laughs) that's all that scholars do they just argue with each other in papers anyway that is literally what academia is
0: yeah that's it so feminist scholars said
1: okay we we agree with the definition of we we agree that femicide should be named but it needs to be understood as a continuation of violence against women more generally and femicide needs to be situated in the context of patriarchy Mm. so regardless of the debate the academic debate around the definition the central idea is that femicide is located within the broader context of patriarchy and gender inequality Mm. So it's best to think about femicide as an umbrella term because you get different forms of femicide. So think of femicide just like umbrella term. So you get a lot of different kinds of femicide. I'll just mention a few. You get intimate femicide, which is when a woman is killed by an intimate male partner. Mm. Then you get non-intimate femicide, is when a woman is killed by... A male in her life, but not so like father, brother, neighbor, friend, mm. whatever, colleague. Then you get femicide between like lesbian woman and queer woman. Obviously, like everyone kills people, dude. It's not just men, <laughs> but it's mostly men. Okay. Then you get honor-based femicide. Yoo femicide in human trafficking Mm. femicide in armed conflict like there's a lot a lot a lot but in this episode we're only talking about intimate femicide which is when women are killed by their husbands boyfriends ex-boyfriends former lovers anyone that they had like relationships with romantic relationships or even casual
0: and the reason is
1: it will become clear okay So, intimate femicide is the most common form of femicide that we find across the whole world. Yeah. If you look at, if you have to take all the women in 2021, sorry, 2022 that were murdered, most of them will be killed by an intimate partner. And that is like a fact, like that is consistent everywhere. So this is why I will never date anyone Because the chances of him killing me
0: That's another reason <laughs> Are you serious? Yes
1: 100%
0: So most of the time when a woman is killed Okay I don't know why I'm acting so shook Because I watch and I consume So much True, true crime, crime Content And literally time there's a murder What is the first thing that the police do? Check on the husband and boyfriend Because 99.9999% yep. Of the time Yep. Okay but it's like Fucked up that that's actually
1: true It's true across the globe
0: Like what is it About men that makes them want to kill someone That they
1: love I'll Ask that question
0: Okay
1: <laughs> So yeah we're talking about This kind of femicide the one that you read see in like Netflix documentaries and stuff. Now, intimate femicide is often approached from a feminist perspective, of course. Mm. And a lot of what we know about violence against women, about GBV, is attributed to the work of feminist scholars, like in the eighties, nineties, So shout out to y'all.
0: Because yeah.
1: y'all actually did the Lord's work. Mm. <laughs>
0: It's like the, the real heydays of yeah, feminist theory.
1: Exactly. But sometimes feminist theory isn't enough. We need more than just feminist theory. Because historically, who. How do I phrase this? Historically, a mainstream feminist theory was developed by white women.
0: Yes. So you need the intersectionality thank you very much and
1: that's literally the next sentence and this is why intersectionality is important
0: (laughs) intersectionality is important is
1: key so especially in South Africa where there are black people, white people colored people feminist theory is not enough because how do we add race to the analysis Mm -hmm. so that's why we need intersectionality so that is a Feminism, sorry, Femicide 101. Okay. Part two.
0: It's making me look like weddings really hit different now. Anytime a woman gets married, I'm like, so that's the murder weapon right there.
1: Exactly. It's not going to happen. <laughs> for... I am just like, no ways. <laughs> Maybe it's because I know all of this where I'm like, nah, dude.
0: Is that why you like, you against marriage? Because you're just going to like find yourself a murderer
1: basically basically yes
0: (laughs) it's not funny it's not funny. i just want to say laughing is a trauma response dude i was
1: literally just about to say we are not laughing at this because we think murder is funny
0: not funny but like what and for me Laughing is one of my biggest trauma responses (laughs) because I also grew up in a colored neighborhood where, with colored parents who will not show affection but they will laugh at you, (laughs) they will make fun of you. So I feel like our
1: listeners of color can relate to this, yeah, and they understand why we're laughing. Okay, so now we kind of have an idea of what femicide is, but so let's look at it in South Africa specifically. And we remember we are talking about intimate femicide. Mm. So, if we want to look at the number of victims, this has come, the number of femicide victims in South Africa comes from three studies. And this is like, I can't even tell you how many times I've read these papers, it's like influential studies. So, the first study was conducted by Abrams and colleagues from the Medical Research Council. And they have conducted three national femicide studies. Is
0: that S-A-M-R-C? Yeah. Okay. So, are they looking at the amount of femicide victims?
1: So, okay, yeah. So, they... Okay, let me explain. So, they conducted studies in 1999... 2009 and 2017 mm-hmm. and they looked at how many women were killed in South Africa in 1999 2009 and 2017 and then they were like break it down mm. so then and to do that is like a complicated methodology because you need to like access these documents
0: mm.
1: so then they look at how many women were murdered in South Africa in nineteen ninety nine. How many of them were killed by intimate partners? How many of them were killed by non intimate partners? La 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 la.
0: And how many of them we just don't know because yes, police because are, they not are doing their jobs
1: unknowns. But it's not only the. Okay, yeah.
0: Shaking my head.
1: So. And this is where we get. Like. The numbers of victims. So. Oh, this is so bad. Really. So you're
0: saying to me... You're, you are saying to me that the number of femicide victims is not a number that the police is putting out.
1: No. It's not that they... They just... That's not publicly available. But they've got that information. It's just not
0: publicly available. Wow. Okay. That's rude. Yeah. However...
1: Since... I can't I can't remember the year. But like maybe since last year or the year before... They have been releasing their annual crime stats, but they also release it once every quarter. And in the quarterly crime stats, like the one for, it was released like two weeks ago. They murder victims for this quarter, la 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 la, and then they actually show the domestic violence victims, and they break that down according to gender. So you can see it.
0: Wow.
1: Which is actually that's a really good thing that the SAT is doing. Mm. So well done for that. Okay, so I'll describe the stats for twenty two thousand. Sorry, for nineteen ninety nine, two thousand and nine, and twenty seventeen. Mm. In nineteen ninety nine, there were three thousand seven hundred and ninety seven female homicides in South Africa. Fifty percent were committed by an intimate male partner. Yo. Then they did the follow-up study a decade later mm. in two thousand and nine. In that study, it was like forty seven percent murdered by you.
0: so a little bit less.
1: But still most killed by a male partner.
0: Almost half.
1: Now The other thing they do in the study is they compare our rate of femicide to the rest of the world. So we can actually see compared to other countries where we are. So despite the decline from 1999 to 2009, this rate was still disproportionately high compared to the rest of the world. Really? Disproportionately bro. To the point where our femicide rate is six times more than the global average. What?
0: Yeah. Wait there are other countries who are like really going through it right now and they are not seeing nearly as many numbers as we are nope we have
1: like one of the highest rates of femicide in the world dude.
0: are there countries where the numbers that, where we think that the numbers are like not being reported well enough
1: or? so that's also like what makes it difficult
0: because I'm thinking about like no offense but like countries at war like we know that during war times, crimes, especially like um, against women, go up. Yeah,
1: because it's like part of like the war thing.
0: Yeah, like men commit atrocious crimes yeah. when they're at war. They just do. That. Yeah,
1: it's part of.
0: And this so is like, not a boys will be boys thing. It's like just something that we know and we are still not okay with. Yeah, so that that's true. And it's difficult
1: to compare across countries because, like, the methods, so, like, the way that the police collect data here is different to the way police collect data in Brazil, Mm -hmm. which is different to the way the police collect data in Russia. So Mm -hmm. it's really difficult to, like,
0: compare. Yeah. But the rates are still very, very high for us. That's deeply concerning. Yeah. It's, we have
1: one of the worst in the world. Then, after 2009, it was conducted in 2017. In 2017, 2,407 women were murdered.
0: 2,407. So that's a... I feel like that's a lot lower than the 1999 number. Yeah, Mm. but
1: obviously, we don't want women to be murdered anyway. That's true. Of this 2,407, 52 were killed by male intimate partners. So still half were killed by male intimate 52%. partners.
0: 52%. So that's a higher percentage. So it went 50%, 47 yo. 50, 52
1: Ooh. So clearly, like, women are being killed by their male intimate partners. Clearly.
0: Wow.
1: So this is, but these, like the, this percentages just tells us about how many victims they were, right? But let's add race to the yeah. analysis.
0: Yeah. And in the initial
1: 1999 study, colored women had the highest rate of victimization. No. Yeah, bro.
0: That's not cool. <laughs> you...
1: Wow. With Colored women had an intimate femicide rate of 18.9 per 100,000 women. Sure. This was six times higher than the rate for white women.
0: Wow.
1: Who came in at 2.8. In 2009, they also added the racial analysis. Once again, colored women remained the majority of intimate femicide victims with a rate of 10.1 per 100,000. So a drop from the 18 to now 10 percent, ten per 100,000. Let me... Yes, it would more hectic. <laughs> Trauma response. Colored women's victimization is mostly prevalent in the Western Cape.
0: Oh, no surprises there.
1: But also because most colored people live in the Western Cape. Mm. Black women came in next with the highest rate of victimization so we can see that it's women of color like black and colored women who are the vast majority of intimate femicide victims in south africa sure but we just need to add like a slight caveat Mm yeah because we are not saying that black and colored women get killed because black and colored men are inherently violent. Like, that's incredibly racist. This mirrors the racial groups who were and continue to be disenfranchised in South Africa. So, it's not that people of color, sorry, it's not that women of color are victims of femicide because colored men and black men are more violent or inherently violent. That's not what it is. That's like a... Very, very racist assumption. But what is something that contributes to violence and crime?
0: Poverty. Thank you.
1: So, socioeconomic disadvantage.
0: Yeah.
1: And who is the socioeconomic disadvantage group in this country?
0: People of color. So, okay, but so explain more about how poverty equals violence.
1: So, it doesn't, but that's the thing, it doesn't equal violence, it's a risk factor for violence. Okay. So, like, that's the other thing. Like, none of these... Nothing equals violence. Mm. It's contributing
0: factors. Just just in the same way that if you go out in winter wearing a short skirt, that doesn't mean that you're going to get cold frostbite. But it puts you at risk of getting frostbite.
1: Yep. So, everything... Like, when we talk about the causes of crime, there's nothing that... Causes crime Like causation is The same way we speak about causation In like medical terms Mm -hmm. Causation means that Every time X happens Then Y will happen But that's like in the social sciences not
0: Yeah because correlation does not mean causation Thank
1: you guys Please keep that in mind (laughs) So it's Another thing that contributes to crime Is unemployment
0: And where is the unemployment risk rate the highest right here in this our land
1: <laughs> exactly
0: eighty blow and once a year more so
1: when we talk about things that lead to crime and violence, just think it's risk factors
0: okay, so if my dude, but I can't also say like if my boyfriend is unemployed and has no money, that's not you also can't narrow it down to like a case by case basis these are. Macro terms. Yeah. So if we look at it, if we look at it from a broad perspective. Yeah.
1: Okay. Cool. Cause not all unemployed people are out here committing crimes.
0: Yeah.
1: It's that simple. Mm-hmm. But when you add unemployment, poverty, um, substance abuse, childhood trauma, mm-hmm. patriarchy, when you add all that shit up, it's a disaster that's where that's where crime and violence comes from childhood trauma maybe you witnessed your dad beating your mother all the time plus you drink and you can't find a job and you own a gun disaster
0: and there's also a lack of resources Mm -hmm. to help you reframe your thinking around situations exactly
1: Exactly. So that's what it's about. It's like these compounding factors that contribute to crime and specifically femicides. But there are three, not risk factors, but there are three characteristics of South African society that I do want to touch on. And you can see that they all link to each other. And these I call, I mean not I call, but like they are like a trio of epidemics in South Africa small ones not small ones but you know what i mean and these all contribute to our rate of violence against women gbv and intimate femicide generally and these like three little epidemics not little but you know what i mean is hiv (sighs) intimate partner violence and rape it'll become clear it'll become clear so let's look at intimate partner violence first. Okay. Which is violence between intimate partners. So okay. people who are in relationships with each other. And both men and women can experience IPV. So like, a woman can beat a man, a woman can beat her husband, a man can beat his wife. Okay. But we know that women are mostly the victims of this. Hmm. And there has been a bunch of studies that look at intimate partner violence in South Africa. And they, like, ask men to complete surveys. And then we see that, like, oh, in one Cape Town study, 42% of men reported physical violence against a current or previous partner. Dude, like, when I say it's bad, it's like a shit show.
0: Wow. Like,
1: violence is pervasive in this country.
0: My God.
1: There's a scholar... Her name is Helen Moffat, Moff, something like that. Oh, I we know. know her. She's very famous, yeah. Yeah. So she has a paper where she says that South African women, sorry, South Africa has levels of rape that is higher than anywhere else in the world, not at war or embroiled in civil conflict. Okay, so the third epidemic is HIV AIDS. So we continue to have one of the highest levels of HIV in the world. Yeah, although we have done a lot to control it a lot.
0: Yes. So well done, Department of Health. (laughs) But yeah, it's quite scary. Yeah,
1: so in twenty twenty, still more than ten percent of the population has it. And HIV age is an exceptionally gendered uh, epidemic. So research indicates, and we know this that. Women are are biologically more vulnerable than men to get AIDS. Mm. But also put this in the context of gender inequality. Put this in the context of rape. Put this in the context of coercion. Mm. It's not great. So think about like... um, Behaviors like... Toxic masculinity behaviours that increases women's risk of infection over AIDS. Like, literally, like... Okay, I'll explain more. So think about patriarchal beliefs about women's roles in relationships.
0: So a patriarchal belief is like, I need to cook for my husband and keep the house clean. Mm. And um, I'm also responsible for child rearing. Mm. And making him happy, like that. Yeah.
1: And also,
0: in the context of, like, conservative,
1: patriarchal beliefs, men can just do what they want. Mm. So you can be married, but you can be having multiple partners outside your marriage that your wife doesn't know about.
0: Mm. But
1: women, even forbid you even look at another man.
0: Mm. Those same standards don't
1: apply. Yeah. So, especially with regards to, like in terms of what is appropriate male sorry, what is appropriate masculine and feminine behaviour in terms of like the context of sexual relations. Mm. Or like appropriate sexual behaviours. Like women are supposed to be yes, uh, covered up, don't even look at another man. But men can do what they all want, bruh. Yeah. So studies have found that men are permitted to have multiple partners with no consequence. They do not disclose, disclose their marital, marital status to other partners that they're hooking up with. And they fail to disclose their HIV status.
0: To any of the women that they To anyone.
1: With.
0: So that's also a form of abuse. Because if you are going around and you are um, seeing other people. But then you come home and you have unprotected sex with your wife. Knowing that you may be carrying some disease, like, it's like that's a form of abuse. Yeah. To pass on diseases to her, knowing, knowingly, knowing that you are. What's the word for people who are, have multiple partners? I don't know
1: what the word is. Is there a word? Yeah. I think it's
0: just not not. I'm not talking about polygamy. The one where you like, sexually active. I
1: can't remember. Yeah, I also can't remember. So, exactly what you said now is a form of abuse. The South African scholar I mentioned at the beginning, she makes that same argument.
0: Helen
1: Morfart. No, no, no. The um, one who coined femicide.
0: Oh, okay. But she
1: was like, this is a form of violence. Mm. And yeah. can contribute to the death of women. Yes. So, she makes that argument.
0: Directly contributing to
1: the death. So, refusing to engage in safe sex... Suggests that some men choose pleasure over safety, and that makes me want to throw up. Mm. It's disgusting.
0: Yeah,
1: but it's not, and I will never understand it because you are not putting. Not only are you putting the woman address, but you put in your self address. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. It like it's beyond my like comprehension.
0: Yeah, but I also think that like. One of the things about that patriarchal worldview is that, as a man, you don't feel that harm will necessarily yes. come to you.
1: Yes. So there's like a, like there's an invincibility about it. Yes,
0: and it comes with that like toxic max masculinity shield that men walk around with. Exactly.
1: So they are like unable to do all of these things, mm. which puts women at danger all the time.
0: It's an interesting perspective to know that there's three things and like the, the HIV status and the, the social attitudes that go with the HIV status is like quite interesting and something that you wouldn't expect to be directly mm. correlated with GBV.
1: Yeah. And the other thing is, despite the fact that we know now that if someone has HIV and they take their ARVs every day, they can live a long, healthy life. It's not like how it was in the 80s. But HIV is continues to be super stigmatized.
0: Yeah.
1: So people fear knowing their status and disclosing it because of the stigma. Which, like, you can get. But that's but still, true also of
0: any STD, actually. Yeah. But it's it's like especially scary.
1: HIV, because it's yeah. the
0: scariest STD.
1: Yeah, despite the fact that you can live a long life, guys. Just take the meds every day. <laughs> so... Toxic masculinities give men free reign To exert their power without Mm. consequence And as a result Masculine behaviors And like toxic masculinity Is like Men feel like they need to be like Hyper masculine and like tough And how strong I am And I'm like invincible Mm. And la 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 And it's also the idea of like Being in control And like Toxic masculinity is allow men to use violence as a way of like solving problems. So let's say you and I are in a situation and you, sorry, masculine behavior makes it difficult for women to negotiate se- safe sex for fear of violence. Because mm. if you say no, we need to use protection and then the man gets angry, you obviously become scared that he's going to do something. So you then rather just don't talk about it. Dude, it's fucking scary.
0: But it's also like it's it it's making like dating as a prospect like a really really scary thing to do but or even think about. Exactly.
1: Like every like South African woman, every time we enter the dating zone, we putting ourselves at risk. Yeah. It's ridiculous.
0: Like. Yeah, it's quite scary to think about in that context, yeah. and like us talking about our little bubble and. Like we are in like You know We are feeling progressive ourselves But we have no idea if the person that we're about to go out with Respects boundaries Exactly um, You know engages in safe sex Blah 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 And sometimes you feel like They are on the same page with you But then you'll get like You have to watch out for underhand compliments Exactly like it's One time I went on a date And the guy was like i like the way that you dress because you're you're like really covered up and i don't like women who go to bars who who like are basically wearing nothing i'm not there for them i was like my dude you're not getting any brownie points from that comment
1: exactly like they think we're supposed to be impressed by that statement
0: like i'm dressed conservatively because it's cold and i don't really think much about this first date anyway I think we should have a whole Men Not Trash episode. This is the Men Not Trash episode. You're right. I mean, we listen talk to talk about this. this
1: for six... I mean, this is what, like, the majority of our conversations outside of this podcast is about, anyway.
0: But this is, like... Okay, so there's three things that are leading to this, and, like, we still don't know what makes it so uniquely powerful in South Africa, specifically. Do you think it's because, like, women aren't vocal enough about like i can't even say that it's a problem of women like i can't even say that it's our fault
1: no it's not our fault dude it's not
0: and i'm also tired of the messaging always being around and like i think slowly like you know when it's like gbv awareness month in south africa very slowly the conversation around that in media is starting to like pivot away from how to stay safe as a woman and more and into like the arena of like how to not be a dick. Like, just don't be a dick when you're out. Yeah. Like, it's surely, it's not that
1: hard. Yeah. But apparently it is. Okay. Now, in keeping with we are conservative, patriarchal, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of women are still financially dependent on men. So think about, so add that to the analysis.
0: That, just gave me hot i saw like
1: you were you, you were like fuck so now if you are financially reliant on your husband boyfriend whatever limit requesting safe sex may limit your access to money mm. so money beca- like the man being in control of money becomes a weapon
0: yeah
1: so do you see how all this is just like it's all related and it's so complicated But this all is like a breeding ground for how... For the factors that can create femicide. Okay, so we can see how these three epidemics... Creates a unique landscape for South African women. And how they have to like navigate all of these things... Makes it really dangerous for South African women. And these factors... Rape, IPV, HIV, AIDS... Do not affect men in the same way. That is a key. It affects men... But not in this The dynamics are not the same
0: Do you think that's also a cultural thing Where in the same way that men Are Conservative to the point of asserting Their dominance over women Women then take on the role of being submissive Yes In that way
1: 100% Because like patriarchy I feel like this is being to come like too like abstract and theoretical But it's fine So like when we look at the way that Patriarchy tells men to behave. Mm. Women's behavior is constructed in opposition to that. Mm. So men must be protectors, breadwinners. But women are supposed to be submissive, obedient to allow men to do that. Mm.
0: Mm -mm
1: -mm. So, yeah, so men are not affected in the same way. So this unique socio-political context places women in in an extremely vulnerable position as they try to stay safe and navigate IPV, rape, AIDS, violence, abuse, GBV. Mm. Okay. Part three. (laughs) We need a deep brief after this. So
0: depressing.
1: Part three. So the media and femicide. Now, you are an incredible journalist. So you're going to know all the theory I'm going to cover first.
0: Please do not call me an incredible journalist. I don't know how much
1: journalism I actually do. Okay, right. Uh. <laughs> but you will know like this theory in the beginning, but important to talk about. So, we all know the media is cock-influential. Yeah, most powerful thing in the world.
0: <laughs> I was just talking about the agenda setting earlier, like how they've decided that they're going to put guns and gun violence at the top of the agenda for some reason. So,
1: when you were talking about the framing, I was like, because I talk about the framing now. Okay, okay, I'm sorry, look at our two worlds intersecting. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, okay, now. The media is probably the main source responsible for what we know about the world. Yes. Because there are a hundred billion things happening every day on this earth, but we only see some of it. Yep. So the media has the power to shape public opinion and perceptions. So in other words, the way the media reports on a story can shape the public's consciousness and reactions towards an issue. Mm. And at the same time, the media is also responsible for creating awareness about stuff that's going on.
0: Mm.
1: We would have never known about state capture if it wasn't for the journalists. So the media can be like an incredible thing, like Mm. a really powerful, amazing thing. But despite this, we know that the media regularly and intentionally provides inaccurate or false depictions of what's going on to shape the way that we perceive it, especially maybe I shouldn't say inaccurate, but okay. In the context of femicide, you'll see what I mean.
0: Okay.
1: Um, so remember I mentioned that in like 1999, there were 3000 something femicide victims. Yes. But we don't see news stories about every 3000 something victims of course not so we only see a few so how do they choose what to report on
0: so there is there is like a a a rubric that journalists are meant to use when deciding if a story is newsworthy Mm. it's like one of the first things that they teach you in journalism school like is this in the public interest Mm. um is this novel novel meaning like something that's extraordinary like doesn't really happen hasn't happened before like Mm. that's why i pointed out this this like one man shot Mm. like why is this a story like what is it about like the rubric that fits the bill and sometimes it doesn't fit the bill but it, it makes it onto the news because someone has decided that it needs to be there Okay. And
1: that's what I mean when I'm talking about like weird agenda setting. Oh, okay. Now I understand what you're saying. Um, so if we look at cases of intimate femicide in South Africa, only a few cases receive media coverage. And like you just said, this is influenced by like public. I'm just seeing I had all of this and like political alliances yes. and like
0: newsroom culture. And which stories will drive sales. No, it's shameful, but it's true. It's true. And I just want to take this moment to absolutely, like, express my disdain for certain news sites. News 24, fuck you for putting up a pay gate behind some of your most important stories. Times Live, absolutely fuck you because a lot of your important stories, like top reads, you'll lock those stories for people to not be able to read. Like, I think that's cuck.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you completely. So when we look at intimate femicide cases, studies have found, and this is all around the not all around the world, but in South Africa, UK and in the West where a lot of studies are conducted because they've got money too, find that intimate femicide stories that are super brutal and have like unique elements of it get reported on. Yes. And there are plenty of South African stories that provide support for this, most of one, most of all being Riva Stienkamp, public figure super famous.
0: I don't want to talk about Riva Stienkamp and that story, because I, I never found that story interesting at all. It was literally a man who was dating a woman who shot her.
1: Yeah, but, no, I agree with you, but I'm saying it was reported on because it was a famous person. Yeah. Mm. Um, high profile What a what So that was like A un- I quote unquote Unique situation So Another case that was Reported because it was like super brutal Is like the 2017 murder Of Anine Boyson And I don't even want to like say it But it was like Mutilation and stuff so, like, extreme violence.
0: But those are the kinds of cases that happen a lot, especially in poor areas yeah. where... And, I mean, um, we spoke about my mom's friend who worked for this um, community newspaper and the kinds of murders that he would encounter. And those stories don't make the news because they, they end up in the tabloids or something and they're not deemed important enough because the people, the, the victims are from poor backgrounds Mm -hmm. so the news media decides oh these stories are not important and then i'm still busy because the same thing will happen in serial killer cases where this serial killer will get away with murder for years and years and years and his crimes will be rape based and like violence against women in specific base which makes it um a gender-based violence case and he'll murder women for years and years and years and years and years, mutilate them, um, do unspeakable harm to them, but because these women are from poorer areas, it just doesn't make the news. And there's thousands of cases yeah, like that in also, this country. And
1: also, when sex workers are killed, never, 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 and, never, and never, because how can a woman be doing that?
0: And it's not okay that those kinds of stories are not reported. Yeah. Like, it's simply not okay that we the news only sees w- Uh, crimes committed against white women as important enough
1: and it's like white women and if they are like pretty conventionally attractive they've got a good job yeah like we know this but i will get into it more in a bit but that was i mean that's like a very very important point um yeah so I want to touch on four main media frames that I used when reporting intimate femicide and this is not an exhaustive list but this is just four because we don't have all day um and also I can't remember her name but the, there was a big femicide one that happened like oh Hillary Gardy and her thing got a lot of attention because her father was in the EFF who Hillary Gardy
0: I don't know her.
1: Okay. This happened like a month ago. But like a femicide case. A month ago? Yeah, it was all over the news, dude. Oh my god, where was I? I don't know. Same one? But... Um... I don't know the details, but like... One of the reasons why her case got... Was on the headlines for days and days and days was because her father was a former... I can't remember his but his father was in the FF and had a very high important position
0: you see now it's not right
1: so frame number one is the isolated incident frame
0: oh yeah dude already that's a problem
1: so and there have been studies scholars have looked at how is femicide portrayed in South African media? And they've gone and done like the whole analyze the newspaper articles of the, the Cape Times and all this and all this. So this is like you can all go read these articles. It's super interesting. So a major frame is that South African media regularly frames intimate femicide as an isolated incident between a couple. In doing so, intimate femicide is presented as a domestic incident. And a random one time event that happened to that couple over there. Yes. So it could never happen to me because it's just that one couple who had their own little problem.
0: Mm. Like that extraordinary case of that the, the British couple who came to South Africa Bruh, on their honeymoon.
1: Never forget.
0: And he, this man, arranged her kidnapping and then she was murdered on her honeymoon. Yeah. And that whole story was framed as like, this never happens. But then, Kanti Penanti, they hired like a gang, like literal gangsters to do the job. So, like, obviously, this is like if they up for hire, then they must doing this all the time. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. So,
1: the problem with the random one time isolated thing is that. Um the media rarely sorry, rarely represents intimate femicide as the thing that happens after a fight as a final act of a long history of abuse.
0: Mm. So remember we said how
1: it's an extension of violence against women, it's an extension of abuse that happens over time. No one gets killed out of nowhere, especially women. It's a the guy has been abusive the whole time.
0: Yeah. Like I
1: can guarantee you. Like, every single time.
0: Like, any time there's a news story about a man killing his partner, the news is never, like... The rate of violence between intimate partners is very high in South Africa. Like, they'll never frame it in that way. Mm. They'll always be like, yo, this guy just, like, straight up killed his wife for no reason, bro. Like... Yeah. No. So
1: this creates the impression that intimate femicide is unrelated to violence against women. Mm. It's not in the context of GBV. Mm. It's struct. It's so then the public thinks that this is not even something that is a worry. It's just that random couple had their own problems. Mm. It's not seen as a structural problem that exists in gender inequality.
0: Wow. You're blowing my mind, eh? This is like quite a new frame for me to like.
1: It's wild, bro. Wow. Um. So the media fails to contextualize femicide for what it is systematic and a structural problem. Um, in addition to this, so this warps the way that we understand femicide. Mm. And this representation doesn't even uh, mention any of the risk factors that underpin this phenomenon. Mm. So they will never say this guy has been abusing her, this guy Whatever, whatever other things contributed.
0: Shouted at her the one time we went to lunch together. Yeah. Like, those details only ever come out during the court case. And then, by that time, it's so heavily disputed.
1: Yeah. So, the media really connects intimate femicide to gender inequality, patriarchy, toxic masculinities. And this is problematic because the media can use its power to influence and educate. If it wants to. If the powers that be want to. Um, Vic, sorry, failing to situate the killing in the context of violence against women suggests that the media does not want to refer to the murders in intimate femicide.
0: I also think that the media especially south african media because we are so conservative and because the south african media tries to present facts as factually and coldly as they as they can Mm. the way that they like because they present news like just like that they just give it to you because of that They obviously remove all of the other elements that would frame the story in that way. And that's the same reason why when you read a story on what's happening with Cyril Ramaphosa, you're confused. It's the very same reason why. Because they refuse to give you all the context of it. Because that's not news. That's opinion. Yeah.
1: So the failure to describe intimate femicide for what it is ignores the gendered nature of that. Mm. Frame number two... The pathological perpetrator, friend. Woo! How wild is this? (laughs) It's crazy, bro. So, and this we find in South African media, but all over the world also. So, studies have shown that South African media tends to pathologize perpetrators. They do this where we then gain sympathy for the perpetrator in order to absolve him. Yeah, So, a study was conducted looking at Cape Town newspapers. The study was so interesting you must read it. Cape Town newspapers and how do they report on the perpetrators and they found that the perpetrators were portrayed in two main ways. Either as pathological or struggling shame, struggling with personal problems that eventually resulted in a mental breakdown and the killing so now we must be like oh shame he had a mental breakdown and then killed his wife because he was struggling with money Mm. like Mm. no yeah (laughs) no guys
0: yeah
1: and of course in focusing on the perpetrator means we totally ignore the victim Mm. we don't even know who the woman is Mm. we don't know anything about it's just like oh this poor man who was unemployed sure Or, they are sometimes also depicted as so remorseful. Oscar, <laughs> As a remorseful, defenceless partner who is in need of support. Mm-hmm. Then, the newspaper's overemphasizes the perpetrator's personal problems for us to gain sympathy. Oh, yeah. shame. He, like he was the na 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 na. Yeah, but you killed someone. I
0: also think this doesn't necessarily influence the verdict because we don't have a jury system in this country. But it does influence the overall culture and how we view gender based violence. Exactly. And that's the problem.
1: Exactly. So they are sometimes portrayed as overwhelmed, mm. the overburdened partner mm-hmm. who was struggling to support his family and in this moment of weakness he just... Yeah. So then it creates the impression that men snap in the heat of the moment. And we know that is not happen in the heat of the moment. It's a long-term pattern of abuse.
0: But also like... You can you can apply. So when we talk about crime in general, there's different reasons why people commit crime. Yeah. But to view it from that lens, specifically when we're talking about gender-based violence, is problematic. Yep. Because now we're not talking about any crime. We're talking about a specific crime that is a huge sprawling issue in South Africa that needs to be addressed in a very specific way. Mm. Yeah. Also,
1: they, they talk about like crimes of passion.
0: All the time. That's also
1: like, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: In a heated moment, he just lost control and wada what, wada what,
0: what.
1: Frame number three, and this is like probably the most upsetting one the victim blaming frame.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so they will pathologize. The perpetrator And then we feel sorry for him And that at the same time Blame the victim
0: Yeah It makes me think of a few cases where Remember when When women were being killed In the forest Like on the mountain And everyone was like Don't go trail running Yeah Like it's very dangerous. dangerous To go trail running It's like I should be able to go Fucking trail running Anywhere I should be able to run anywhere Why is the mountain Off limits because there's a boogeyman there. Why can't he go somewhere else?
1: Anyway, it's very, very upsetting. Yeah. It? So, victim blaming is one of the most common medium frames in South Africa and across the world. And the media looks for any th- anything, anything about the woman's lifestyle or behavior that somehow warrants her abuse or death. Mm. And failing to acknowledge the complexity of femicide leaves the public questioning, why doesn't the woman just leave the man then? Mm,
0: yeah.
1: Like, guys, we clearly have not progressed anyway.
0: Yeah, that's a mark of our conservatism. Yeah. That's a mark of, like, how... And, and that's like also what I was saying earlier on. Like Victim blaming is when you tell a woman, don't go for a run because you're going to get robbed. That like recognize that that's a form of victim blaming because you're putting the onus on the woman and not the perpetrator of the crime. Exactly. So when you when you when you talk to your friends and you say, "Hey, baby, stay safe," like hold your male friends accountable. Also, be like, "Can you not be such a pervert?"
1: Yeah. And especially if the woman was having an affair. Oh my word! Then no, it's totally justified.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So literally, my next sentence is. (laughs) Victim blaming places the onus on the woman So when violence, violence escalates It becomes her fault for not saving herself Yeah, all the time And it also Shifts the focus from the perpetrator Onto the victim And in doing so, it renders many of the factors Underlying femicide invisible Um We also see that victim-blaming discourses are underpinned by patriarchal ideas about women's behavior. So, like, affairs or whatever. Mm. Or why wasn't she looking after her man properly? Whatever. (sighs) It's It's just bad, bruh. It's bad.
0: It's sad that, like, we can talk about how we feel about these things until the cows come home. But people in communities where this is happening in are not necessarily privy to what we are saying right now
1: yeah yeah i agree with you so in this way in all the frames that have been mentioned the media then further entrenches norms about gender or sorry further entrenches unequal gender relations mm. or the gender hierarchy the fourth frame, which you have mentioned, is the ideal victim frame. Say more. So portrayals of a quote-unquote ideal victim is super common in South Africa and across the world. Representations of the ideal victim captures the reader's attention and is more likely to get media coverage compared to other victims. Oh. So if it's so woman children, and old people are often constructed as ideal victims because of their perceived innocence and vulnerability. Oh, I see. But then we come to South Africa. <laughs> Wait, before we get there. So this implies that only certain types of people are an ideal victim. Mm. So the ideal victim is she fits into mainstream society perceptions of ideal. So white, super feminine, successful, educated, pretty. Mm. This is why white women get reported on all the time. Yeah. Despite the fact that we know it's mostly women of color being killed.
0: Yeah. And we also know the patterns that contribute to that. Like, you know what's exactly... And this is the thing... This is is an American case, but it was so, like, clearly, like, shown. So that, that girl who went on a road trip... She was living in a van with her boyfriend, and then her boyfriend happy. killed her oh in America. Gosh, yeah. What was her name? I can't remember now. Was but she, isn't she like a YouTuber or something? She was an Instagrammer with her husband, with her boyfriend, mm. and then he killed her, disappeared, and then when he did reappear, eventually, like she had gone missing completely. Yeah. Blah 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 blah. Got arrested, but at the same time that was happening, there were so many other Black American women who were also missing. And also victims of violence by their partners that were not mentioned. And there was another case that was held up as like an example, like, why are you talking about this girl, but not this girl? And that's the kind of thing that happens all the time in South Africa. The only problem is because the media won't report on a crime that happens to a black or brown woman, that case can't even be held up as an example of something that should be covered yeah because a lot of the time there'll be a murder like right here in this neighborhood, but it's not going to make the news, yeah it just won't
1: yeah one hundred percent one hundred percent so the idea of an ideal victim obviously implies that there's an an ideal victim,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we know that this is obviously like defined by status and it's typically poor women who un, maybe unemployed, drug users, sex workers, mm. women of colour, etc. etc. Um scholars have identified like three kinds of ideal victims. Not th- sorry, there's like a binary. So there's like the deserving and undeserving. Deserving means she was a good wife undeserving, maybe she had an affair Hmm. Then there is, and this comes up all the time in social sciences, like the Madonna versus the Madonna war binary. So like the Madonna, like the virgin. The virgin and then the promiscuous girl. Yes. So if she was like a Madonna, she will just get all the news.
0: Yeah.
1: But if she was out here wearing like a mini skirt.
0: All of a sudden.
1: Yeah. It's so um <laughs> like it's so upsetting. Yeah. Um or maybe she was a woman who maybe she abused alcohol too much. It's, Undeserving. It
0: scares me a lot because it makes me wonder and I think about this all the time. I wonder if I if something were to happen to me, what would the article look like? What mm. would people say? Like Yeah.
1: It's scary. It's terrifying. And. uh, Sorry, I'm just trying to find my place. Oh, so. But on the other hand, we know that there are black women who are black, female black women, black women victims who do get news coverage. And it's often because they are like super beautiful or like famous. Mm,
0: Definitely famous.
1: And even they get victim... So, they all get victim blame in some way. So, we can see that the media representations of reporting on femicide is complicated by race. And this is, of course, the racial history of our country. Mm. So, again, (laughs) 1652. So, intersectionality helps us to explain why Black women are positioned at the bottom Of the hierarchy and why white women Are on top of the hierarchy Mm. And Yeah so in this way The media depictions of black and white Victims perpetuate Racial racist ideas Sure About Femininity and it maintains Black women's marginalized status By presenting Mm. them in this manner Mm. So this was very long episode So that was my end of part 3
0: So now What must we do?
1: About what? Be more specific
0: Like how do we How do we make it So that we don't have The highest like, this, like That our rates of femicide are not Six times higher than any other country
1: Well There are multiple things that can be done And, like, I think maybe I should do another episode where I talk more about the risk factors.
0: But can you say, like, some stuff that, like, needs to happen?
1: Gun control. I will die on this hill forever.
0: Do most most women die from guns, though? That's the second highest one. Oh. Which is still, like... That's crazy.
1: Sure. Also, I also want to say, you know how I feel about my gun issue? Yeah. Most women who are killed by guns, legal guns.
0: Yeah.
1: That's crazy. So it's the legal gun owner using his legal gun to kill his partner.
0: And that's like not what it's meant to be used for. You you're not supposed to be obtaining a gun to kill your wife. No. That's bruh. not that's not why you get a gun.
1: No. So it's also like a lot about the criminal justice system mm. and actually holding perpetrators accountable um, we need a functioning police organisation and also there needs to be like how do I say this women need to be like people need to be Taught about the risk factors. Like, if you see this happening, if this is happening, if this is happening, you are at risk. Mm. And this is where you can go. Mm. This is where you can go speak to. This is the help that is available. Of course, the ideal thing would be to stop men from doing those things in the first place, yeah. which is another form of intervention. Mm. So, strengthening the police, strengthening gun control, strengthening the criminal justice system. Because we could have a whole conversation about how many of these femicide cases actually result in the perpetrator being in jail. Because you think it would be 100%, but it's not.
0: No, but I can also understand that because from watching a lot of Law & Order, I know that when it comes to intimate partner violence, it's a he said, she you said. said. Exactly.
1: But Which becomes f- very, very difficult to prove in court
0: and police officers are far less inclined to pursue a case that's he said she said because lack of evidence um like they're not gonna try and dig too deeply into a case when they've got like a thousand other open cases to look at yeah so in a case like this they'll actually tell the woman just drop it yeah and then it's like and then she, if she has to drop this case, how many other cases is she going to, like, decide not to report? Before, and then
1: exactly. what happens? Exactly. That is literally one of the biggest things.
0: So, I, I don't know. Like, I just think also, like, talk to your people. Check on your people. Um, like, have... Like, we need to, like, foster a culture where we just, like, hold men accountable for things mm. instead of... Um, saying nothing
1: yeah and there's a whole culture of silence
0: very very secretive like you will know that someone is being abusive and then you're encouraged to not do or say anything about it exactly and that is actually so scary
1: yeah um and then it becomes down to like things so like i said alcohol oh sorry Substance abuse is a risk factor. Mm. So then it's like interventions related to substance use.
0: Yeah.
1: Then it's things like childhood trauma, which becomes a whole different set of... requires a different set of responses.
0: I can totally see that.
1: So it's like... It requires multi-level yeah. responses.
0: I, so I hate like, it when we do like episodes and then we can't give anyone moo <laughs> I'm so sorry, people, that my dog is making so many noises right now. But it's it's upsetting when we can't give a solution to a problem. Mm. Especially one that's... But, like, we knew we weren't going to be able to solve gender-based violence in one episode. But at least we we shed some, like, a lot of light on, like, the framing around it. So when you mm. see articles, you can know exactly what's gone into that. Yeah. When you see um when you see things being happening around you you can now know like what are the impact infle- the factors
1: so Bro. i'm sorry i know that was incredibly upsetting and probably very triggering for all the women on this <laughs> that listen um yeah Yeah, I don't even know what else to say.
0: I think we need to add some resources in the show notes. Uh, Yes,
1: I will do that. Like
0: places that you can go to if you feel that you or someone that you know has been affected. I can say that I recently had to find out about how to get a restraining order for a story I was doing. And the police are meant to be, like, they have protocols in place Mm. and they are meant to be protecting you. The victim yeah so they actually like take you to a private room and yeah like everything is free like you're not like at no point do you need to like pay for a lawyer mm. or something like that mm. um so
1: also like let's say your partner has a gun but you he, but he's abusing you you can say your police he's abusing you and they can come take away his gun
0: so you like, need to have proof of what that he's abusing you.
1: You'd need to go report it, but I don't know that those details. So like the thing is, there are the thing is, they are systems in place. Mm. There really is, but we don't know about those systems. Yeah. Is the problem.
0: Yeah, well, we we also know that like sometimes there are systems in place, then they become abused.
1: Mm, yeah. That's yeah. That's another thing.
0: But. Yeah. So stay safe
1: guys And if you are in the dating zone Good luck. May the odds be in your favour Because
0: Yeah On a lighter note um, I just want to address Uncle Cyril directly um, Do you think
1: he's going to listen to this?
0: You Have a dog. And you've had this dog the entire time. And you never told anyone about you and this adorable dog. Don't presidents always have dogs? Did you see how he was talking to his husky? Yeah, I saw. He is so cute. That dog is amazing. If I were him and I was up for re-election, that dog goes me everywhere.
1: Like the Americans, they do that
0: thing Yes, it makes you so endearing. Uncle Cyril, you know that you have the white vote. Exploit that shit, (laughs) bro. like go on the campaign trail, go to like uh constantia with your dog like film a video of him sniffing around the vineyard or something like you will get the vote so easy
1: yeah that is so true i can't believe they've never thought of that
0: but with brown people i don't know that dog's gonna do nothing for you (laughs) it's gonna do nothing for me (laughs) yeah but like honestly i i want more dog content (laughs) I do, because, and also like the way he interacts with the dog, like he's like, oh, pats the dog and he's like, I mean, he just looks like another
1: dude, it's so grandpa
0: vibes, it's so enduring, (laughs) I love it,
1: yeah, thanks guys,
0: like and subscribe, ugh, shame, please review, (laughs) shame, (laughs) sorry for being such downers. (laughs)